Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. So have you ever heard anybody say that they have a really bad problem with willpower? Willpower is one of those things that I almost cringe when I hear. Okay, me too. <laughs> as a dietitian, because it's it's very much, I don't say blaming. Yeah, people it's self-blaming. Them, right. They yeah. blame themselves for not being able to resist things. And so to, on today's episode, we are going to share our biggest dietitian secret ever, yes. maybe. Is willpower really the problem? Is it a thing? Or is your body <laughs> fighting against you? So stay tuned. All right, well, so today we are going to discuss quite a few things that I think tie into this biggest secret about a problem that a lot of people think they have is willpower. And when, as a dietitian, I look at food records, mm -hmm. it's very evident to me that I can help them and it has nothing to do with willpower. Like I said in the <laughs> intro, I think willpower feels behavioral. Yeah. It feels, well, you, you are not strong enough. Mm -hmm. You are not able to resist things. And I hate that cycle for right. clients because it's a hard thing to get them out of because they feel like they're failing. Right. And they feel like it's their fault. Mm -hmm. And if they were just a little stronger, a little better. If they just did something better. Right. Yeah. That they would have the ability to resist overeating or to, you know, even all the way to binge eating. Right. It's not a willpower issue. Right. And so, that's one of the things that we're going to unpack today. Yes. The biggest secret I have with this is when is the way we eat can have a huge impact on those carb cravings or inability to control portions. When I talk to people and I say, yeah, I'm, I just usually have like those little miniature chocolates after a meal and they say, and you know, and that's all I need. I just need a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they think I have this great willpower, but the reality is there's actually a lot going into how I do that. Carb cravings are maybe the number one thing I hear about from from clients. They they think they get in front of cakes and cookies and bread and that somehow there's something magical mm -hmm. about those foods that destroys their ability to portion control them or to right. eat eat a portion, eat a handful of chocolates after a meal and right. then be done with it. Right. And I also hear it with pasta. Yeah. That's a huge one that people say I just can't do pasta because if I have it around I cannot control myself. Right. So what I want people to understand is a, a few things. It's really about blood sugar control. And I think this is a good time to talk about the fact that blood sugar control is not for just for people with diabetes. Correct. No. I, th I think when people think of blood sugar control, we're going to talk about a diabetic diet. Right. But that's not really the secret here. No. And, but it does work for my diabetics. And, and right. so it is something that I do teach my clients who are trying to avoid diabetes or already have diabetes. Mm -hmm. But it's something that we all should know and we should all understand and be able to control it better. 
I wonder if it's evolutionary even, hmm. you know, that if, you know, think about our cavemen ancestors mm-hmm. that, you know, when food was scarce, there maybe their blood sugar dropping could indicate they needed to eat. And again, not necessarily that they had diabetes, yeah. but that that blood sugar, you know, might have reduced their ability to make, you know, they were it would need to eat whatever was available mm-hmm. at that time. Right. Yeah, so that's basically what happens, is our blood sugars drop, Mm -hmm. and we feel hungry. And we crave carbs because carbohydrates are the body's preferred fuel source. Well, now don't tell... You know, do- keto. keto or Dr. Atkins people that it doesn't. It's <laughs> that fat is the pure. I, I heard that fat was the preferred source of fuel for the brain. <laughs> I, I oh, <laughs> I keep hearing that, and it's just wrong. Right. The anatomy and the physiology that physicians and dietitians in the medical field learn about is that the brain actually requires a constant supply of blood sugar. Right. And so no matter what you've heard or what you see online, it's simply not true. Now it can use fat to create that constant supply of blood sugar for the brain. But that's a pretty inefficient process. It's a very inefficient process. Right. So are they telling a lie? Yeah, maybe stretching the truth quite a bit. But they're not using fat as the preferred fuel source. It's carbohydrates and blood sugar. So there are other things that are involved in that blood sugar response. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, there's a lot of things that go into controlling your blood sugar. Some of them are, and these are the ones that I want to talk about. I want to talk about fiber. I want to talk about protein, fat, and meal timing. All of these things are a big part of that blood sugar control. So this is why you need a dietitian, maybe, you know, you need a dietitian to take a look at what you're doing and help you with your process of why are you craving carbohydrates? When are you craving carbohydrates? What are you eating at the meal before that? So like I mentioned, carbohydrates are the body's preferred fuel source. Fuel sources for the body, just to break this back down, are carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. And what I mean by that is carbohydrates, proteins, and fats provide us with calories. Right. Okay. So, but the body prefers carbohydrate for its fuel. Proteins and fats are not easily converted into energy. As we've mentioned. They are. Right. But they're not easily converted. (laughs) But they're important for the body. Right. It can't be an all-carb diet. It cannot. Right. Right. Proteins and fats are used for other body functions, and then when we consume excess proteins and fats, if we haven't gotten enough calories in a day, it will use that to convert into carbohydrates, our body's preferred fuel source. As we mentioned in that episode on sports nutrition, Mm -hmm. you know, those who are trying to put on muscle and think that they can do that just by adding a bunch of meat to their diet are going to be disappointed because they're not adding additional calories. And what the body will do is take that protein that you thought you were going to use to build muscle and use it for energy. Exactly. <laughs> so catch, catch that episode if you haven't caught it. Right, yes. right. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, yes, when we consume excess calories, doesn't matter. Those excess calories, whether it's carbs, protein, or fat, are stored in the body as fat. Now, hold on. 
Okay. I heard that carbs are special and they really go to fat. Is that true? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I heard this. No, I'm kidding. No, I know. I do too. I hear something magical about all the time. Spaghetti that ends up. No. Yeah. Right? No. It doesn't matter. So let me repeat that. Like, it doesn't matter where those extra calories are coming from. Carbs, protein, fat, extra calories and what your body needs will get stored as fat. Right. It's the way the body works. Okay. All right. So now that you understand kind of that carbohydrates are the body's preferred fuel source, I kind of also need you to understand digestion. All right. So this is a good nutrition anatomy lesson. 101. Yes. All right. Take it away. All right. So basically what happens when you eat, the foods you eat, they get broken down by digestive enzymes. All along the digestive tract. Our, ama- our bodies are awesome. It's amazing. From, from the moment you take a bite. In the mouth, there are digestive right. enzymes. Right. All the way down through, of course, in your stomach, there are digestive enzymes. But you're still using those enzymes throughout the, the whole right. GI system. Right. Pretty much. All right. So those digestive enzymes then are going to break down the foods you eat. Now... We mentioned carbohydrates are the body's preferred fuel source. So the body is actually quite adept at processing carbohydrates, meaning it's very easy to digest carbohydrates. And so because it's the body's preferred fuel source, I think it's very easy to do, Right? maybe, uh, just evolutionary-wise. <laughs> so it's very easily entered into the bloodstream, and then the, blood, the body takes care of it as long as everything's working properly. Insulin will get it into the cells where it is needed for energy. So it spikes, if you will. I, I, I know this is a podcast, but... Think about me standing, sitting here, and I'm, I'm com- kind of talking about a graph, if you will, of your blood sugars are spiking and then they're dropping. Okay, right. that spike and drop is pretty quick with a carbohydrate. Right. Now let's talk about proteins. Proteins, and we've mentioned this before with our other episodes on sports nutrition and supplements and things like that. When you eat a protein, it's going to break down into amino acids and then be entered into the bloodstream. What happens when you eat a protein is it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. So it requires a lot of different digestive enzymes to break that down into the components that get it into the bloodstream. What this means is that curve that I told you was a pretty quick spike and drop for carbohydrates is much slower. So right. the carbs, the the uh, spike that happens within our blood sugars when we consume a protein is much slower right. and takes longer to get down to. All right. So did you have a question? No. Okay. No. Okay. Am I I explaining it okay so far? Okay. (laughs) But this is one of the reasons that, you know, if you have just carbohydrates at a meal. Right. Or to snack, your blood sugar spikes. I've seen it um, illustrated as a rocket. Uh Uh-huh. Like the blood, the rocket goes up and then it comes right back down. Yep. 
Yeah. But adding protein to that carbohydrate makes the rocket go a little more sideways. Exactly. A little more slow, a little more gradual rise, a little more gradual drop. Very good visual. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. When you have... This is where when when they index foods for the glycemic index. Okay. I have issues with the glycemic index. I have issues with the glycemic <laughs> index too. And this is the reason is because most of the time we're not gonna eat a hundred grams of carrots by themselves. Oh come on. At the same time. Right? So that's one of the things to kind of pay attention to as well is when we eat we want to make sure we have protein there mm-hmm. because it does take longer to digest. Let me finally finish up with fat because yeah. fat in digestion, actually, that curve even looks flatter. That mm-hmm. rocket ship does not go very high right. at all. It's more like an airplane. Right. <laughs> so it's a very slow and it's very slow to leave the body. So we want to have a little bit of fat with your meal because it, it does keep you feeling satisfied longer. That doesn't mean I'm recommending you eat a lot of fat, though, because it's still calorically dense. Right. It's still nine calories per gram as compared to only four calories per gram for protein and carbohydrates. I mean, it's just math, folks. I mean, if you think about it, you know, nine calories per gram for fat and four for protein and carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Which one is higher? Right. Yeah. It still has a lot of calories in it. Yes. Now, the one caveat with our digestion of carbohydrates, and one thing I mentioned earlier that we want to focus on is fiber. Right. Now, fiber is also known as roughage. It's that part of plant-based foods like grains, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and beans that the body can't break down. So it passes through the body undigested meaning those digestive enzymes can't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of moves through the system. Uh, This is good because it keeps your digestive system clean and healthy. My dad likes to call them the little scrubbers. You know, uh, it basically eases your bowel movements, and it also helps to flush cholesterol Mm -hmm. and harmful carcinogens out of the body. It's a detox Oh, gosh. Oh, come on. But it kind of is. Seriously. It's a natural way that the body can detox. Right. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, from a cholesterol perspective, this is one of the things that I recommend for people who have sort of mildly elevated cholesterol Mm -hmm. or mildly elevated LDL, that lousy cholesterol, is to incorporate more soluble fiber. Before you necessarily jump to medication, let's see if we can't do something with more soluble fiber, even if that's in the form of a fiber supplement, if we have to. But ideally, it'd be great to get it from food. Right. And my recommendation always to, I've done a lot of those, like, oh, here's your cholesterol numbers. Let me tell you about them. Right. And soluble fiber is where we go. And then I'll, it's very easy. Eat an apple, a bean, or or uh, oats every day. Right. And that will help with your cholesterol numbers. Right. Apples, beans, and oats. Yep. So, again, also the other advantage to fiber is it actually can lower our blood sugar. So it pulls water, decreases the time it takes for food to move through the system, thus making that rocket ship not spike so quickly. So maybe this is a good time to bring up, you know, when we talk about the differences between, for example, whole fruit and juice. Yes. And the difference is 
the fiber. The fiber. Right. The juice goes in, raises mm-hmm. the sugar a certain percentage, mm-hmm. and it leaves quickly. <laughs> right. Like really quickly. Because there's no fiber for those digestive enzymes to work right. or have trouble with. So if you're drinking the 8-ounce the glass of juice, mm-hmm. of apple juice, or eating the medium-sized apple, your body's going to react really differently in terms uh, of how the blood sugar responds. Yes, yes. So thinking about this, you can think this about with any juice. You can think about this with grapes and grape juice yep. or oranges and orange juice. Mm-hmm. There's we, also a little bit of like slow down time when you're eating fruit because yes. it you know, it's makes takes much more time to peel two oranges <laughs> than to drink an 8-ounce glass of juice. Exactly. You know, it just takes more time and you know, the it's, slower we eat, usually the better. Yes. But yeah, there's a, this is one of the advantages of fiber. So right. again, it slows down that what we call transit time or whatever uh-huh. that's called and causes us to ha- feel more satisfied. Yes. Yes. So that's one of those big secrets right. that I just wish everybody would understand. And a lot of us dietitians, we're just always talking about eat more fruits and vegetables. And I say that a lot, but that is the essence of why. It's and I love your approach of the add to. I've been really trying, honestly, to incorporate it. You know, today I had lunch and I had um, like a vegetable pad thai dinner from Trader Joe's, uh-huh. and I thought, well, this is fine, but it's pasta, and I'm uh-huh. going to be hungry again. So I grabbed some cherry tomatoes, I grabbed a pepper, uh-huh. and even though I ate more, uh huh, I was satisfied for longer. Didn't need a snack in the afternoon. Felt great. Yep. Yeah. Because I added some things to that meal. If I just had the microwave dinner, guarantee you I would have right. felt hungry quickly. You try to be good because you try to be, okay, I'm just going to eat this portion of a frozen dinner. Right. It's so controlled. You think that you're doing great, but I would. I love that. I love that you added fruits and vegetables to your meal. Right. And I wish more people would. Right. It's not just the color on the plate. I mean, that's yeah. great too, but it's all about working with your biology. Yes, yes. And understanding that fruits and vegetables help, you know, again, kind of make that blood sugar rise less dramatic mm-hmm. and also then make the drop less dramatic. Right. So it's not willpower is what you're saying. It's not. It's so what happens when the blood sugar drops? So let's say somebody does just have an apple or, you know, maybe just an apple juice for snack. Yeah. So what happens then when that has, for better lack of a better term, sort of burned off? Right. So when that burns off, the body is saying, so remember, the body's main function your brain is on, always on. Right. We need to make sure we're feeding the brain a constant supply of blood sugar. So when you go to the doctor and you get those blo- you get your blood sugar tested, we want it to be fasting about 80 to 100. So your body is always focused on if you're not eating to get your blood sugar, then it's going to have to find it somewhere else. So it goes to your, we have these stores of blood mm-hmm. sugar that it can go to. Just another fun function of your liver. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but the problem is, so what happens though, is at the same time, when it gets down to that you know, lower level of your blood sugar, that's when your body, if you start really paying attention to when you're hungry and full, and you start paying t- attention to these cues that are happening, you might even see it as just 
all of a sudden you're thinking about food. Yes. (laughs) So when you're starting to think about food, chances are it's because your blood sugar is kind of coming down. Right. Because your brain's like, "Um, we're going to need some more glucose and you're going to need to provide that by eating something. Exactly. So, you know, and and, gosh, I have so many experiences with, I mean, even in my own life, but with patients who are, I don't eat all day. Right. And then yeah. when they come home, they don't understand why they can't stop. Right. And they think it's weakness and they blame right. themselves and they get into this cycle of restricting during the day and then mm-hmm. overeating when they get home and restricting during the day. And it's such a terrible merry, merry-go-round for them. Mm-hmm. And it's all, and then they just, they can't get off their own case about it. Right. Because it's something they feel like they're just weak. Right. And it's just that, it's it's. It's your brain, folks. Yes. It's the way the body works. It's not willpower. Right. I just wish people would know that. I once once had a gluten-free client. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. God bless her. She was uh, working a job where somebody had brought in banana bread Uh that was not gluten-free, and she (gasps) ate it, and she couldn't understand why she couldn't stay away from it. And we just, we talked on the phone, and we kind of unpacked some of her other, you know, like what she was eating during the day. Yeah. Turns out she was eating almost no carbohydrates. And so when somebody presented her with that banana bread, she couldn't stop herself. Right. It didn't care if it it had gluten in it. It didn't Mm -hmm. matter to her. The brain has hormones there that are causing that too. Right. So it's just this big complex system. The body is amazing at adapting, but it wants what it wants. Right. (laughs) And it wants carbohydrates. Right. So... We talked about that blood sugar response, and I agree, Amy. I have clients who tell me all the time, but in the afternoon, you know, for them, it's either snacking is a bunch of junk food or they try to be good. So they, they kind of go off the junk food and they think, okay, I'm just going to have a piece of fruit. Well, if you're eating lunch at 11 o'clock and dinner at 6, a piece of fruit, when you eat that, it's going to make you hungry again within an hour because of that rocket ship spike and drop in the blood sugar control. This is one of the issue I have with lots of calorie counting apps Mm. because people try to reserve (gasps) their calories for later or they think, well, I could have an apple with peanut butter, but that peanut butter is awfully high in calories. So I'm not going to have that. I'm just going to have the apple that's 60 or 70 calories. And oh, no, I'm so hungry later. If they just had the peanut butter, I understand it's 180 calories for two tablespoons. I Mm -hmm. get that. Yeah. But unlikely to overeat later. Correct. And you're still talking a 250 calorie snack, basically. Right. A piece of fruit with peanut butter. Which is very reasonable for a snack. And the reason is, again, and I, I know I kind of talked about this already, but that that next thing other than fiber is the protein. And like we said, that when you eat protein, you are going to slow down that rocket ship because of the difficulty that it takes to digest the protein and so it takes a little longer and then we also mentioned the fat and because fat does increase satiety and so that's why I recommend you're trying to control your carbohydrates by eating balance and you might hear that from a lot of dietitians right I'm just trying to unpack like what's underneath all these things that you hear and right you know you want to 
you know, it's not exciting. It's not exciting to tell people to eat more fruits and vegetables. Nope. So, or whole grains. Or whole grains. Right. Or, you know, eat the fruit instead of drinking the juice. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's so many things that... Or it's okay to have protein and fat with your snack. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to just be baby carrots. Right. Right. And frankly, it shouldn't just be baby carrots. No. Because <laughs> you're going to be really hungry later. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just I can guarantee you, mm-hmm. you will be hungry later. I've yep. talked to, I've, I mean, I've talked to family members and coworkers who say, you know, I, I had a, a bagel for breakfast with butter. And then by 10 o'clock, I'm climbing the walls. Yeah. Because like, I'm so hungry. Oh, yeah. That's another big thing is like. I get people to start eating breakfast, and if we don't have a conversation about what their breakfast looks like, they can come back to me and say, I don't know what happened, but I ate breakfast, but then I was starved the whole day long. Right. That doesn't work for me, because then I just eat all day long. I literally had somebody tell me this two months ago. She <laughs> said, I overeat because I eat breakfast. I'm right. Like, mm, maybe not. Right. Maybe not. Maybe it's what you're eating for breakfast that's the problem. Right. You should be able to eat a breakfast and feel satisfied for four to five hours. You should be able to eat a meal and feel satisfied for four to five hours. And if you don't, you have not probably eaten enough. Right. And that comes to that final piece of the puzzle of eating consistently throughout the day. Right. For me, it's also looking at if if I find somebody who feels like they have to eat every hour or two then there's something wrong you know what right. i mean so let's look at balance let's make sure you're having some protein and fat with your meal and that can be hard to do we're doing a lot of traveling it's summertime right now when right. we're doing this podcast and those breakfast buffets that are at a lot of hotels yeah it can be hard to find a protein have you ever yes. tried that and boiled eggs that i, I don't yeah. know i'm, I'm kind of weirded out by boiled eggs in a <laughs> bar like that i don't oh. know just like i don't know how clean that is but hopefully it is um uh, yeah i yeah. have to go with that yeah i mean <laughs> so, but you know grabbing a greek yogurt grabbing right? milk there's peanut butter usually right little peanut butter packets right even mm-hmm. if you have to eat it with a spoon yeah you know or throw in some oatmeal if they have oatmeal available mm-hmm. that's great or put it on a bagel right you know that way and you're not necessarily spiking your your, your right. blood sugar so here's one secret that you said oatmeal and that just i i do have to say because my clients will call me on this that is one breakfast that i do find that some people can eat just oatmeal made with maybe a little bit of milk and adding brown sugar and they do not, their blood sugars don't have the spikes and drops. And they're, they are they are full for Very three to four hours. Interesting. Yes. I so, wonder there's so much good stuff in that oatmeal that's probably so managing So much fiber. All, right. all that soluble fiber. Right. So that's why I always tell people the one exception to my protein at breakfast meal is oatmeal. That's great. Yeah. So don't feel terrible about that because... I've seen it with m- most people, their blood sugar control is fine with just oatmeal. Wow. I mean, again, you can add peanut butter to it. You I want. love you can add adding raw. peanut butter Me to it. It's too. so good. It's, it's like my winter <laughs> breakfast. Uh-huh. It's so good. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, and you, you may be somebody who does a, a re- meal replacement bar during the mm-hmm. day. So if you are picking a meal replacement bar, what do you want people to be looking for? Because I, I struggle because I sometimes I like to have meal replacement bars in the morning just uh-huh. because I get to work. And usually it's, I'm like hitting the ground running. Yeah. And if I don't have that meal replacement bar, I can look at my watch at 10 o'clock and go, oh, I didn't eat. Right. Exactly. And then I got a problem. Right. 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 So absolutely. Protein or meal replacement bars are a definite way to go. I always tell my clients, 
looking at the label, you are looking to make sure that it does have protein, carbs, mm -hmm. as well as fat, a little bit of fat, and also I want fiber. So ideally, at the minimum, three grams of fiber. Mm -hmm. At the minimum, seven grams of protein. Right. And, and then a little bit of fat. Right. So that's what I'm telling my clients to look at for right. on those labels. I mean, be cautious. So many of those bars are high in added sugars. Yeah. Sometimes if they're real low carb, they have sugar alcohols, which will mess with your gut. Yes. Um, if you have IBS or if you are prone to just even an upset stomach, yeah. I really recommend steering clear of sugar alcohols. Yeah. Uh, that's sorbitol, malitol, xylitol for those things you're looking for on the, the label. The only one the exception to be is erythritol at this point hmm. maybe doesn't have that same GI distress issue. Interesting. That's what you find in some of the, like the low cow ice creams now uh -huh. and things like that. I haven't experimented with that because I'm sensitive yeah. to them and I'm afraid of them. I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you. Yeah. I, I actually personally am also sensitive to them. And in the digging down that I did on the bars, the common denominator was always chicory root. Oh, that's a big IBS trigger. I have a terrible time with chicory root. Yeah. We should so, do, we'll have to do an episode on yeah. IBS and some of the newest research with that. But That'd yeah, chicory great. root and inulin, which are two things that yep. get added to things. So that's a good question. What about things like fiber one bars? Mm-hmm. And things worth, I mean, it seemed like a few years ago, fiber was added to everything. Yes. Fiber was added to our yogurts and mm -hmm. it was added to our tortillas. And right. So what do you, We're, as you a dietitian, what do you say when patients are looking at these added fiber products? Yes, we're getting, I'm getting this so much from a lot of clients. They're like, I do this fiber supplement. I do that fiber supplement. And, you know, personally, I'd rather see them eating an apple every day. Right. I, and I feel like if you're adding a fruit and or a vegetable every time you eat, most fruits and vegetables are going to have somewhere between three and five grams of fiber. Right. And so if you're adding that in every meal, every snack, then you are probably going to be okay and not need a fiber supplement. Right. Now, that doesn't mean if you're having a fiber supplement right now and you're having success with it, do right. maybe a gradual back down of that. Right. I wouldn't go cold turkey and just switch it up. Right. But uh, I do feel like you don't need those supplements. You don't need those special products. Right. And they're expensive. They're expensive. And and again, if you have any inkling towards having a little bit of irritable bowel syndrome, mm -hmm. your gut's probably not going to like them. Right. Um, because they do have those added things like th the added fiber is chicory root or inulin. Right. It is not, See, that's right, it's not natural fibers. <laughs> right. it's, it's something that's added. And the other know. thing is we get fiber from grains. Your complex carbohydrates like pastas, breads, and cereals, let's not discount those. Those are great sources of fiber at meals as well. Right. So if you are having toast in the morning and you switch it to a whole grain toast and you're adding a fruit or a vegetable, mm -hmm. I, I feel like at every meal should be some sort of grain and a fruit or a vegetable. Right. Ideally, a whole grain. Right. It doesn't always have to be, though. And you don't have to be fancy. I mean, a bowl of shredded wheat in the yeah. morning with Cheerios. A, yep, with a mozzarella cheese stick as you run out the door. Yep, <laughs> is completely fine. Yeah, 
It's completely fine. It doesn't it's have to be eggs and toast and bacon and, and you know, I mean, you can right. be, but it would be, that's, that's more time consuming than most people are willing to, exactly. to exert. Yeah. So how does this work in with, I just read a study today, I get MedPage today, mm-hmm. talking about intermittent fasting and this time-restricted eating, because this is going to, this is going to continue, this conversation is going to continue with, inter- with, the, with this time-restricted eating. Right. And the study had shown that eating between 8 and 6, so 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. was most successful. Those who went from noon to like 10 p.m. were less successful in terms of weight loss. And I can kind of see that because if you are restricting in the morning, by noon, it could be a free-for-all in terms of how hungry you're going to be. You're too hungry. See, okay, so, but that just proves my point. Right. So when I say eating consistently throughout the day, and what does that do to somebody who has to work a shift or something right. like that? And they're working until midnight. Right. I have so many, I've had so many shift worker and clients that were like feeling guilty because they'd get off work at nine o'clock and they'd be starving. Right. And so, no, you shouldn't go to bed starving either. So, no, you want to eat consistently and eating within an hour or two of waking up. Mm-hmm. And then you should be eating and you should get hungry at least every four to five hours throughout the day. That's normal. That's normal. Right. And so, yeah, eight to six, that might be perfectly fine for you if you're going to bed by 10 o'clock at night. Right. You may not need another meal. Right. And again, I think that that consistency of intake, your body knows what to expect. Your Mm -hmm. brain knows what to expect um, in terms of how often it's going to get its load of glucose you yes, know um, yes. and it's and I think that you're gonna find that you're happier overall this is also where hangry comes in I mean we've it heard does. that term mm-hmm. and you know when you talk see me mentioned like thinking about food mm-hmm. irritability is a thing when your body is that drastically low on glucose your brain is not those Snickers commercials are actually right. <laughs> they are. You're, they're actually correct. <laughs> I mean, I wish they weren't selling candy bars, but but it's actually but correct. It is correct. You're not you when you're hungry because your body's like, hey, over here, I need some help. Right. Right. Because that brain is right. relying on that constant right. supply of blood sugar. Right. And you find that, you know, we're all, I think we're all kind of like big children. When we've had something to eat, right. we're a little happier. And when you, the more you get used to that consistent pattern of eating, your body will understand that is my best way of describing that. Right. You know what I mean? It's really, and I, I think this is what I see and, and what I get concerned about with a client is that insulin resistance. When yep. you don't eat the way we've been talking about during this podcast, you will eventually, I believe, have issues with your insulin not working properly. Right. So when we talk about insulin resistance, we mean that the body's, is, the cells are not receptive enough to the insulin that's being produced, or the pancreas, where your insulin is made, is not producing, producing enough. enough. Right. right. And that's when we start to get into prediabetes, and right. then, unfortunately, into diabetes, which is... It can a, make weight loss hard, too. It sure can. So that can be one of the first symptoms that you might notice is if right. you're having trouble losing weight. So... 
I always recommend go see a dietitian, have them take a look at what you're doing and get you pointed in the right direction. Right. And add a fruit and vegetable to every <laughs> meal and snack. I tell that's you, right. it's been, I mean, that's something that I'm really trying to focus on <laughs> is really thinking, do I have a fruit and vegetable at every snack mm-hmm. or a vegetable at every snack? Maybe not vegetables in the morning, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. certainly, although sometimes I'll do a low sodium V8, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. something, you yeah. know, it's something there. Right. So that's why I always recommend, you know, to get the recommended servings of fruits and vegetables, there's nothing wrong with drinking one of those servings of fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though we mentioned earlier the advantage to doing right. the, f- the eating, but if you, it's a great way to get yourself started. Right. Um, especially vegetable-based juices. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. what about juicing? We talked about the fiber. I have had clients who juice, mm-hmm. you know, and really think a lot of it and they love it. You know, if you are having a client who wants to juice, they're saying, okay, what do we do about the fiber? So when you're juicing, you're adding the whole fruit into it and you're consuming the whole fruit ideally with the skins on and everything when they're juicing is that what you're talking about when you so for example juicing? if they're juicing if they're if there's a particular machine that they're using to juicing that may remove pulps and oh, those types of things right. you know so it is removing some of the fiber it could be removing some of the fiber gotcha. so again i have clients who are very successful with juicing and yeah. they like that and mm-hmm. that's fine they're still getting their fruits and vegetables in right but yeah. again they may not be getting all the fiber i would right. say if you can have some way to have that you know, whatever machine you're using, you know, leave some of that fiber. Yes. That's that's, that's awesome. ideal situation. Right. Yeah. For sure. However, I mean, same thing with smoothies that a lot of people do a smoothie and they put in all these fruits and vegetables into their blender and then they drink it. But again, there's no protein. Right. There's no fat. Right. And so, and you've broken down some of the carbohydrates and made it easier right. to digest. So right. you're going to see that rocket ship space higher with those types of products. So put that Greek yogurt in. So put smoothie. the Greek yogurt in. Into yes. your smoothies. Yes. I mean, it doesn't have to be the sugariest Greek yogurt that was ever made. It can just right. be a nice, you plain. know, low or low sugar Greek yeah. yogurt or a plain Greek yogurt because you're going to add the strawberries. You're going to exactly. add the blueberries. It's going to mm-hmm. be a ton of flavor. Mm-hmm. You won't need the vanilla Greek yogurt on right. top of it. No, yeah. that that's in fact what I do generally is... Uh, um, well, I don't, I'm not a big yogurt fan, but I basically will put my breakfast into a blender. And my breakfast almost every day is a banana with peanut butter. And then I put in a little dried cherries. Ooh. And then I put my glass of milk in there, yeah. which, and then I will confess, I drink chocolate milk. So I put a little bit of cho- that Nesquik in there too. Nice. It is delicious. That sounds like wonderful. <laughs> but it's so balanced. It's so good, but it is very balanced and it keeps me full for a really long time. Right. And this might take a little trial and error on your part. Absolutely. You know, if you're new Absolutely. to this and don't give up, if you have right. a day where you're like, I did not get what I needed and then I came home and I couldn't keep my hands out of the cabinets because I right. was so hungry, it's okay. Right. Well, now maybe you know why right. it's okay. Right. Maybe you realize what's happening right. and it's not you, it's your body's response. Right. It's yep. your physiology. It's the physiology. And we, we cannot fight our physiology as much as we would like to. Yep. All right. 
I think this was a great discussion. And if you have more questions about this or any other topic, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. You know, we might even do an episode. We talked a little bit about uh, IBS and some of the research that's going on because that is something that a lot of people deal with. Yeah. We would love to hear your show ideas. You can reach us at dish at secretliferd.com. No, that's our email. That's our right? email. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's right. Dish at secretliferd.com. It's been a long day. <laughs> and you can also reach us on Instagram at the Secret Life Dietitians. You can visit our website at secretliferd.com. And we will see you next time, wherever you get your podcasts, go eat a balanced meal. <laughs>